Welcome back to Project Growth. I'm your host, Vin Matano, and today's a very special episode. And the reason it's so special is because it was an in-person interview. And in-person interviews just make me so happy because there's just a level of connection that you just can't make with somebody over Zoom. Um, you really get to know somebody, you spend a little bit more time with them, you get to see where you know they work, where they spend time. So this was pretty special to me. And today we're at Almost Home in Lincroft, New Jersey. And I was sitting down with their founder, Robert Doran. And he shared his journey, starting off in the spirits industry for almost a decade, traveling the world, seeing and experiencing new things. We talked about the physical challenges that he likes to put himself through. He rode his bike from Florida to New Jersey, which was insane to even think about, in less than a month. He recently just summited uh, and hiked Kilimanjaro and also raised a ton of money for a village in Tanzania to you know, build dams and roads and all these different buildings that they need. And then we also obviously talked about how he has transitioned to creating this this community, this restaurant, uh, almost home. And really his whole story goes into the creation of this restaurant. So it was a really great conversation. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy I mean, Sunday, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. This is definitely my first Sunday interview and definitely the first in-person one in a while. Awesome. Yeah, probably a few years. Glad so. to be back, glad to be in it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I want to get into your story. I've been following you for a while. Um, actually, I think I... How did you find me? I'm going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> I think I started following you uh, during quarantine. And I believe at the time you were biking from Florida to New Jersey. Is that right? Through Benny. Through Benny. I, uh, yeah, probably through Benny. But I, I kind of picked you up on Instagram. Cool. Um, I was kind of following along your journey and then I've been following you since. So um, I guess like a quick intro on like, you know, who are you? Born and raised in Jersey. Um, fitness advocate. Uh, grew up... Uh, locally from here, played football in college. After college, got into nightlife and vodka. So uh, how'd you get into that? Met the guy at a gym. Uh, he was lifting. I was lifting. Um, and you know, I had talking. What were you doing? And he was starting the vodka, but he was gluten free, sugar free vodka, so fitness based. And he just liked my personality and said, "Hey, listen, do you want to work for me?" Mm-hmm. Um, first employee ever hired. So started that company called Devotion Vodka. Like I mentioned, we were the first gluten free, sugar free vodka. And you were there for a while, right? Like almost 10 years. Yep. Did that for eight, nine years. Um, and what, and so, so talking about that, like you, you, you graduated college, you joined, uh, I believe you, you had a pit stop before, before the spirits company, right? You were at MTV. For yeah. Did MTV just was a production assistant at MTV. Um, wasn't living in the city, uh, like most 21 year olds having fun, uh, a frequent visitor of 13 step and, and, and stumble in and, mm-hmm. and Jake's dilemma and, and the beers that, you know, that are a dollar at every bar back then. Um, so and you're there more for the happy hours. Yeah, I was there. I was living um, right above uh, a famous spot that's now closed uh, in the West Village, but below me at Dollar Beers on Tuesday and Thursdays. Worked for MTV as a production assistant. So my job was basically cutting fruit for Nicki Minaj. No way. Um, yeah, making sure that, that Bruno Mars had six chilled lemon snapples and six uh, room temperature ones. Um, that Snoop Dogg had no blue M&Ms in his uh, mix. But no, but seriously, um, worked for MTV for, uh, for the summer, um, got into the entertainment industry, got into networking, lived in the city, loved that, loved the experience, loved riding the subway, loved eating, and then met um, later that summer around Labor Day after the MTV interim was coming to a close, met my CEO and my boss for nine years, Drew Edelman, 
who comes from the nightlife industry as well, uh, who was starting a vodka company. And we basically just hit it off from the first time he spotted me at the gym. Mm. Um, went into being the first employee ever hired, uh, starting a company. So I went from being the sales rep in New Jersey. Uh, we did, I think, the first year, 80, 90,000. Um, wow. Over the nine years, we grew up to doing 20 million a year, um, over 48 states. Uh, I went from looking after just Jersey to looking over all the East Coast. Um, Head of key accounts and key marketing. And did you have background in sales? Like, how, how did he, no? How did he think you'd be a good fit for that? No. So just um, be personable. I mean, I was always, you know, in college, I was the social chair of my fraternity. Um, have quite the reputation of, of being able to handle my own out in a social setting. Um, loved partying. Um, good things, bad things. And they probably they, with the liquor company, I assume a lot of the events are geared around partying. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. So so, <laughs> so it fit. was so it was building it was building the company up in New York City. You know. Based off liquor, you know, how you grow that company from day one is, is being social and, and getting people to like you. You know, vodka's vodka. Mm. Um, how can they pick your vodka over somebody else? Well, they have to like you more. So that was the constant drag. It was being out there in the scene, being likable, um, being present, you know. But like anything else, it, it has its, 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 its drawbacks, its pullbacks. You couldn't not be out in the scene. You couldn't not be, you know, you always had to be present. You always had to be, you always had to be there at the account, you know, you always had to make sure they didn't forget about you. And you always had to spend money. If you stopped being around, you stopped spending money, it was, all right, well, who's the next vodka guy that can come in? So it, it, it helped bring that, uh, almost like that like athlete mindset to me, where you, where you want to just be the best and you want to stay relevant and, and compete. Um, and and so that's what sales is. Mm. You know, sales is, is a lot of things. But yeah, so that was that, so I did that. Um, did that for nine years, learned a lot about everything you want and don't want to learn about business, you know, the truths and, 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 and the hardships that come with it. And then I got out of that just because it was time just to get out. Um, you know, the nightlife industry, like I'm sure people you've interviewed, Brian and, you know, Mazza and all these other guys, Devin was in it for a while. It's amazing, but it's dark. Um, and it's like taxing, I would imagine. It's taxing um, in every aspect of your life health, your, you know, your personal, personal relationship. It's a lot. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, 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 it's heavy. So it's a great way to network. It's a great way to get out there. It's a great way to get your name out there, meet the right people. And then if I ever tell people to get in and get out, it's the best way to do it. Mm. So I got out of that. Um, and then just began traveling. I uh, had a few investments that I did with the money I made from that, that really worked out in my favor. Um, and began traveling, and then before you heard about me, I, I moved to Asia. So I lived in Asia really? for eight months. Yeah. What? How did that happen? Uh, literally went out to went out to Thailand for a six day trip, um, and six days turned into six months. Holy um, <laughs> so yeah, so I went there with a backpack to meet up with my buddy in Bangkok, and uh, went the day after my birthday, uh, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, I was supposed to go out there for six seven days just to go to Bangkok and one other place. And kind of just said, let's stay and figure it out. So I began backpacking all through Asia. Went to Thailand, all over Thailand, the islands. Got my diving license in, in Koh Tao. Um, went to Vietnam, Singapore, Malaysia. Uh, then moved to Indonesia. Lived in Indonesia for six weeks. And then... Were you doing this all on your own? You yeah, trying? did it all on my own. Have all, you ever done that before? No. Well, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was a cool experience. Towards the end, it was tiring. Uh, anybody that's backpacked or or traveled abroad, it gets tiring meeting new people um, that you're, uh, it's like a podcast. 
but every day you're, you're saying the same one lines over and over again. Mm -hmm. Hey, where are you from? What's your story? What are you doing? Hey, I'm Rob. I'm, I'm 32 years old. I'm from Jersey. I'm out here just backpacking. And then you get close to them for about 18 hours, maybe two days. And then they say, okay, I'm going this way. You're going that way. And then you meet somebody else and you say the same thing over again. So that was, uh, it was good for a while. And then towards the end of it, you're kind of like, I'm tired of introducing myself. So I'm just going to keep going. And how many life. countries were you, did you hit I before visited, you? Yeah. Uh, probably Thailand, all the, all the provinces, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, Indonesia, so probably five, Vietnam, six different countries. Wow. And what, what was like the biggest, like, I guess, lessons you learned from visiting all these different cultures and countries? Dude, honestly, it's a lot of things that, that it's, so how almost, I don't want to go back and forth too much, but the, the idea of almost home started in, in my trip through Asia. So Asia uh, and Asian culture, coffee is really big. Uh, not even about the caffeine, but just about slowing down life and, and, and hanging out with your friends and family and, and going away and, and putting the phone down and just talking and communicating. So, you know, where Almost Home started in it, it went into where I'm going, it went into the bike ride, was that I could go to these countries and, and, and be alone, but go to somewhere where I felt like I had people around me and had some kind of connection with them. Um, so what I learned in Asia was that, you know, being alone and, and find, finding solitude you know, an awesome, awesome thing to have. And was that hard for you prior to your travels? It is, because I, I am a, a social butterfly. Um, I network 24-7. I talk to people 24-7. I love the idea of being loud and outspoken and, and being in the center of a crowd. And, and I'm tall, so people notice me the most. Um, but going out there, it was cool to find, to know that I could be alone, truly be alone and be happy. Um, and I think that's one of the best things that I learned in Asia. Um, but yes, I did that, did that for six months. Um, COVID hit over there. Um, and I remember my mom called me that day. She said, hey, listen, COVID's over there. It's not in America, come back home. And then I flew back home. And then as soon as I flew back home, COVID hit here. So I flew back to New York and I lived in Jersey City at the time in a small, and not a small, but I lived in a, 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 a apartment there. And COVID was hitting, and I just remembered saying, there's no shot in hell I'm spending the winter in COVID in New York. So I uh, had met a friend in Vietnam who lived down um, in Florida uh, near uh, Tampa. So I began looking for Airbnbs. Uh, I was in good shape. I was hoping to sign up for an Ironman. So I wanted to continue training and continue my tan that I had from Bali. Uh, so I rented out a house down in Siesta Key. So I went from... Uh, Indonesia to Jersey City for about five days. Five days later, I went down the Siesta Key with a backpack of, of just clothes, thinking I was going to stay for a few weeks maybe. And then um, just things started to fall in place. So what happened was the governor of Florida, I don't know if it was the Sanders at the time who it was, but they put a, a rule in place that any Airbnbs, they couldn't charge money. So if you were already in place, you could stay at any Airbnb for free for as long as you want. So my landlord of the Airbnb was this awesome guy who didn't live in Florida. He basically called me and said, listen, I legally can't kick you out. I don't want you to screw me. What can we do? So he, I said, listen, I'll pay. Just give me the best deal possible. So I lived in a house about a block from the beach, four-bedroom house, pool, 
gardening team, pool cleaner, everything, made that cleaned up once a week, and I was paying 350 bucks a week. Are you kidding? Yeah, 350 bucks a week. Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't leave either. Yeah, so I ended up staying there for uh, for two and a half months, three months. Uh, so I went there, so I went there, and uh, the person I was hanging out with, uh, the friend that I knew, came and hung out with me, and, and we literally just worked out every day. Bike rides, you know, Florida was still kind of closed down, so there was no bars or anything like that, so, but it was beautiful, it was 85 and sunny every day, so we would go out, we'd get coffee, get food, and read a lot, and just, uh, and at this time, my partner, uh, we had began discussing opening up a coffee shop. Um, so my partner's my best friend. Uh, he's a very successful entrepreneur in this area. His family and him own um, nine pizzerias and concepts. So he wanted to go away from the pizzerias and the factories of, of just that like, you know, garlic knots and pizzas and chicken parms, which is great. And he's done that for years and years and years. But he wanted to have more of a personality, personable spot that he was proud to bring his family to to eat and sit and relax at. So... Um, so yeah, he, he, he started looking and looking and we, I remember we had a few ideas at a few locations and bites. Um, and I was down there training and training and I was in the best shape of my life. Hopefully to get back there soon. And I remember, uh, probably around April 1st or April, around April, he called me up and said, I think I found a spot. And, um, I said, do you think so? He said, yeah, I think so. So you need to come home. So I said, okay. And then um, I said, yeah, I said, but like, you know, COVID, uh, I don't want to fly. I don't want to drive. And he was like, well, how good a shape are you? And I was like, I'm in fucking best shape of my life. He's like, you should bike home. I was like, yeah, shit. And then. Were you biking? Like. I was biking every day. You're biking every day. Not like, I'm talking about like, I was on a beach. I was, I had a beach cruiser. So on the beach cruiser, I was still doing like 25, 30 miles a day, but like beach cruiser, like one year, like, but I was in good shape. I was running, I was running. Biking every day. Not much else to do. Not, no. I was doing it like literally every day. I would do 1,500 push-ups, 500 push-ups for breakfast, 500 push-ups for lunch, 500 push-ups for dinner. Um, all calisthenics. I was running on the beach. Like I was, if you, I have a picture on my phone. I'll show you. Where the hell is my, so you can't see this camera, but. I feel like there's like two, two types of people with quarantine. It was like. Get lazy and yeah, fat you got or just get lazy shredded. And, you know, didn't take didn't take advantage of the free time, or you just like got into running or something like that. Like I bought a, I got an old bike that I just like randomly bought just to get outside. All right, you ripped. Yeah, and I'm like I'm like a house. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that photo. You see yeah, that photo? Seen so that was like prime time, like me in in shape. Like I I was like. Yeah. So when he said so. I was ready for war. When your buddy was like, all right, you should bike. Were you like, that's crazy, or you're like, that's no. So cool, I, what, so my dad owns a bike shop. So that's what my dad. My dad owns a bike shop too. Growing up. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So my dad owns Shrewsbury Bicycles. It's local here. He's that's your that. dad. Yeah. My dad, know, my dad probably knows your dad. Really? Yeah, my dad. What had, bikes is this store? Oh, he, Bennett's. He's not. He's not, not no, no. he's not in the business anymore. But growing up, he owned many bike shops in North Jersey. Yeah. And he still is connected with like all the all the. Guys. Is your dad's so, name Rob? Uh, Scott Duran. Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask if he yeah. knows him. So my dad, uh, yeah. So he's owned that for, shit, 35 years. Uh, so literally, I hung up the phone, I called my dad right away, and I said, Dad, I said. I said, can I, can I bike from Florida to New Jersey? And he was like, what? I was like, can I do it? And then he's like, hold on. And he put my speakerphone and, and his guy's there. And one of his guys, Brian or Rob, I forget which one, is part, one of his partners and his friends. And they're like, yeah, they're like we biked from California. I was like, I was like, all right. I was like, well, what? I was like, what do I need? They're like, you can do it with two paneers. So two rear paneers. 
And he's like, just, you know, there's, there's roads. You just got to figure it out. So I said, okay. So I shipped down, shipped down my bike. And then literally in that second, I got, my next move was getting on my phone. I texted everybody I knew. So I texted, you know, Brian Mazza. I texted Devin. I texted, you know, everybody I knew in the fitness field or I could, who, who could help, who I've been talking to. I mean, I think Devin at that time, my buddy Devin, who was blowing up, was getting to his next level of, of influencing slash networking slash building his brand he was doing he created a kind of quarantine membership group where he was doing daily workouts he was doing podcasts with different people weekly so everybody kind of worked on their self-brand during that time so and i said hey listen i think i'm gonna bike from florida to new jersey and then i forget who it was someone was like well what's the cause and i was like i kind of just want to get home and they're like well like like, you want something from me, right? I was like, yeah, I kind of want, like, a Theragon or supplements or something. They're like, well, dude, you need a charity. I was like, all right. So then I'm thinking, I was like, well, I was like, I'm going home to a coffee shop. I was like, I'm going to raise money for small businesses and coffee shops. So we have an awesome coffee shop in, in Jersey City called Mod Cup. I've known the owner for years. So, yes, yeah, so I began biking for small businesses. So um, in the matter of, like, I would say eight days, literally, my bike was sent to me. Um, all the supplies, my bike, everything like that. I had gotten like four or five supplements on board uh, or, or companies on board. I got Vital Proteins, um, Dan, Karen. And how'd you do that? You just reach out to them cold? Reach out to them cold. Network. And I said, hey, listen, I think I'm going to bike from Florida to New Jersey. You know, what can you do? And they're like, they're, yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like, how can we help? I was like, I could use protein bars. Um, Todd Abrams, who owns Icon Meals, sent me up like boxes of stuff, uh, meals, and protein popcorn and everything possible. Devin got me hooked up with Frank England, who gave me a Theragun. Brian got me a bunch of other stuff. So, like, I was good. Um, and then I began raising money. Um, and that's, that's relevant, too, because, you, like I said, your dad owned a small business, so it's kind of his Yeah, own. Yeah, my dad, my dad, you know, we're, I'm blessed. My dad was one of the very few small businesses at a time that thrived, you know, Bike shops. Everyone wanted a bike. <laughs> they were considered not. They were considered essential, so they were open um, due to transportation. So everybody wanted the bike because that's every. That's what everybody could do. Yeah, can do much. So he sold out of his entire bikes and like every bike he had, and he was ordering and ordering, ordering more bikes were coming. You know, this whole chain issue that everybody has nowadays was occurring, but he was getting bikes in, so. And do you think that like helped influence where you're at now of like your dad owning a small business had any? Yeah, I think me and my dad are very similar in ways and very different. I mean, you know, I'm very honest about my, the way I operate my businesses now and, 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 and what I contribute to it. I'm not, my dad's a numbers guy. He's a back of the house person. He sits in the office all day and he does the ordering and things like that. He is not the front. Um, he was the front for years, but he is someone that just crunches numbers and lives by an Excel sheet. I'm the opposite. I could care less what the cost analysis something is. I want to do it and sell it and, and Instagram it. You know, so that's where we're different. Um, you know, but that's where the business has gone. You know, it's funny because nowadays I'm always telling him, you know, what I've learned. Social media is king and, you know, he has a great business that he's had for 30 and 40 years. But if he was starting over today, he would have no idea what to do. He'd fail. Yeah. Because he has no idea how to market Super competitive. Yes. You know, he's lucky that he built his roots so deep into a community after years and years of, of contributions, but you know, his social media has like 800 followers. Mm -hmm. You know, I laugh all the time I'm like that. I'm like, you're so lucky. You just 
Yeah, they don't get it. Yeah, they don't get it at Different all. Different times, roughly so. But take me back. Okay, so you got the bike. Yeah. You got all these brands. Yeah, like, I got all the brands. And I, just, and I just head, headed out. Uh, literally headed out. So I went from Siesta Key. Did you have um, a map planned out prior? Or you just... So I had a, a buddy who works for me now. Um, he was my uh, road manager. So basically the goal every day was no less than 80 miles, no more than 120. Um, so every day I would wake up and he would say, okay, what do you got in you? All right, well, well, this is 25 miles away. Bike there, get a coffee there. Let me know how you feel. I'd bike there. He said, okay, listen, we're at 25 miles, Robbie. We got 50 miles. We got 75 miles to Orlando. If you can't make Orlando, we got 25 miles to Lakeland. What can you do? Okay, I can do 75. Okay, now, now I'm going to go in Orlando and I'm going to look up Airbnbs or hotels or wherever you're stopping at, but you got to get there. So... So that's what happened. So, so you had a team that was helping you out while you were just doing one things. person, but I would, but it would be every morning. So I'd get up every morning about five, be on the road by six thirty, and what I would do is bike twenty miles in the direction I was going, twenty five miles, get coffee, and at that point it would be a good idea of where I could go. Could I get seventy five done? Could I get fifty done? Was the wind hitting me hard? Could I get another thirty done? And we'd have an idea of you know where I was stopping. If the wind was coming at me, a head-on wind, and I didn't want to burn out, I knew, okay, I got 50 miles in me, but then I'm shutting it down early today. So we would go 50 miles. Okay, what's 50 miles away? Robbie, you don't have any towns 50 miles away, but 62 is here or 45 is here. So that's kind of where we at. And we just mapped out every day. So went across the state um, from Siesta Key to, to Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach all the way up to Jacksonville. Jacksonville through Brunswick, Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, um, all through that area and then yeah up the entire coastline wow did you have to like camp out at all or you're just doing airbnbs airbnbs so airbnbs every night hotels in major cities so hotel in daytona beach hotel in ocean city maryland hotel in uh myrtle beach and then a lot of the airbnbs they would hear the story i'd meet them and they'd say you know what they're i had awesome stories i mean there was one time i was in an airbnb and i told the guy i was going there that i was biking and he was a con- contractor, and he had bike. He had driven by me, and he's like, "Are you? Are you don't have a shirt on, and you're biking?" I was like, "Yeah, it's me." He's like, "You're like thirty miles out." I was like, "Yeah, I'm like thirty miles out. I'll be there in like an, two hours." And it was hot as hot as fuck. And he was like, "What do you need?" I was like, "I just need fucking ice water." He's like, "You want an ice bath?" I was like, "Yeah." He fucking went to Home Depot, got me a a huge uh, a huge garbage can. And filled it with like forty pounds of icing, and I would I had an ice bath waiting for me. Wow! And that was in uh, where was that? That was in uh, Beaufort, um, Beaufort, South Carolina, because mm-hmm. there's Beaufort, North Carolina, Beaufort, South. Southern was, hospitality. Southern hospitality, wild. Um, and then a lot of people that had the Airbnbs gave me free nights. Heard about my story? They're like, hey, listen, you know what? I'd love to donate, but you know, I'm gonna donate twenty bucks, but I'll give you that for free. Um, dude, people took care of me. Um, awesome. And yeah, so I did every day. Was there any like really bad days where like you either like yeah. crashed or like something crazy? Like- nah, no, no crash. I mean, uh, I had nothing. I had only had one real scary incident where a car kind of got angry at me and, you know, luckily it was diffused. But it was, you know, you're, you're biking in an unsure area and, and you're in the south and everybody's got a gun in the south yeah. and you're driving through. You're biking through areas that there ain't nothing around for miles. And all it takes is one person angry to pull up next to you, fire a pistol, and hide you 20 feet off the road, and probably no one's finding you. 
That's just a fact. And you're on the side of the road too, with cars going by, and they hit yeah. You. I mean, I would go hours in some spots. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about the South, South, South. That, you know, deep South Carolina, deep Georgia, outskirts of Wilmington, North Carolina. Like, there's no thing. There's nothing around. You're 25 miles in between gas stations. Like, it is. You're going through towns that everybody knows everybody that lives there. Like, your cousin lives in the house next door. Your brother's cousin lives there. They know you're not from that area. Um, but you just smile, you wave, and, and you say you're, you're passing through, and you give out positive energy to the world, and you hope everything happens. And, and everything did. I mean, I had not one flat, which was an insane stab wow. in 1,800 miles. Um, I really didn't have one issue besides one small, like I said, uh, you know, tense moment for 20 minutes. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a wild experience. Wow. And how long did that take you altogether? I did it in 25 days. So 1,812 miles in 25 days. I got hammered drunk in Charleston one night because it was the only city open in America. Um, and I went to Bill Murray's bar, the container bar that he owns, and got hammered off their specialty drinks. We got one of those in uh, Austin, too. Yeah. yeah container bar. Yep. But Bill Murray owns this one in Charleston, and, and uh, he frequently actually bartends there. And there's a famous drink, I forget, it's like a uh, Arnold Palmer type drink, and I had like six of them, and I just was bedridden for like two days. And I was tired anyway, I had biked, I was now in Charleston. Yeah, it's like, to celebrate a little bit. Yeah, so I did that, that. and then my buddy lived there, he had an open room, so I was, I was staying for free. So I stayed there for like six days, and then, uh, yeah, I went past there and just came home. And during the, during the, um, the ride, you were tasting coffees for yeah. your future shop, no? Yeah, so Almost Home, so Almost Home, how it gets its name going back into uh, further of like that whole culture in, in Asia. So I would I was by myself, and, and yeah, like, you know, you could FaceTime people, like, you know, I have a cell phone, you're not alone. You know, if I wanted to call someone, I'd call someone, they'd pick up. But, you know, you are alone. Um, and, and where we got our idea and what we're trying to do is, is we're, no matter where I was on my bike ride or in Asia, but mostly my bike ride, you know, whether I was in, you know, like I said, Buford, Beaufort, Charleston, Myrtle Beach, uh, Virginia Beach, Jacksonville, Daytona, Lakeland, Orlando, Delaware, I would find the coffee shop that was the best coffee shop review-wise in that area. And I'd go in, and every single time I'm talking, you know, on the tee, I would get welcome with a smile. And, like, you know, you do get lonely. And in the South especially, I'd talk to my barista or talk to my waitress, and I would tell them, go into what I'm doing and you want 30 minutes of like just love and 30 minutes of like friendship and 30 minutes of like you know you are tired you know your leg might be sore you want somebody to say oh you got this kid you know so almost home get his name is that when you walk in here if you're not from the area you could feel the energy in here you could feel the home um, presence you could feel that you know you're walking in as a random and you're walking out as family um I think that, like, with my staff, I've made it very clear to them that we're compassionate, we're personable. Um, but you got to make sure that every day you have a smile on because you don't know who's coming in with, with how their day's going or what they've been dealing with. And they're coming here to get away. And they're coming here to have a good cup of coffee, but maybe they want to talk. And if they don't want to talk and they want to read, they want to read. But, you know, I like the idea of, of being a beacon of a community where you come in, we can give you advice. I can tell you what good foods around here. You're not from around here. Heard you guys want to go to Pazzo. I have a way better recommendation. Let's not put that on the the, uh, the podcast. Uh, it's great food, but I got a better spot for we'll you to go to. We'll block it out. But yeah, but um, but no, but um, 
you come in here and if you knew nothing about Lanecroft, New Jersey, I could tell you everything you need to know. Give you directions, tell you where to go. Um, and that's what Almost Home stands for. It's that community niche, that community beacon, that place where you can find a connection without even knowing it. Um, so that's what I built. And then I came home and we built Almost Home three months later. Wow. So it's from all your, your time in, in Asia, your time with the bike and uh, it's everything. Like it's everything, right? Going into this. It's my whole story, man. Yeah, it's your whole it's story. Like, uh, like I tell everyone like, um, when you're not selling a story, you're selling a product. And products are replaceable. Stories aren't. Stories are not, there's nothing, it's, it's unique to you. So Almost Home, I think, will be an empire one day because the story keeps growing and the story has an amazing prologue. Like the backstory to Almost Home is insane. The next 10 chapters will be even better. But the day the story ends and you're just selling a product, that's when you can be replaced. And you would obviously separate those by experiencing different things, right? Yeah. So like the, like example, the, the ride from Florida to New Jersey. And then also what you recently did was the Kilimanjaro Summit. Yeah. So yes. how, did, how did that come about? Yeah, so my, uh, so I'm blessed, like, like I said, you know, life brings you, life has always brought me the opportunity Life has always brought me the opportunity and brought crazy uh, people in my way. I'm truly blessed. It's insane. Um, I don't even know how to put it to words, but my group of friends, what they've created and who they've become and who I've been blessed to meet at certain times in my life that have now grown to these amazing friends and mentors and business professionals, everything. But uh, yeah, Devin, one of my best friends, um, uh, who Bear called the marathon and decided one day that the next best thing he wanted to do was, was hike the seven summits. And, and his mentality, uh, which is something I, I laugh about and think is, 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 is true beyond belief, is that in today's time you can do and, 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 and make anything happen. There's so much education at the, at the palm of your hand, your fingertips, that you can read and spend the time to learn anything, whether it's a language, whether it's a craft, whether it's building a business, whether it's becoming a lawyer. So what he wanted to do was enter a field that he knew nothing about and just show that through um, education and time and, and, and this non-negotiable mentality that he could do it. So that was mountaineering. Um, you know, yes, you need to have certain, you know, uh, you gotta be in shape for it. You gotta be in shape. Yeah, you gotta be in shape. Yeah. You gotta have the right mindset. There's, there's definitely some, some things that yeah, you, you can't just sign need. up and go for that. <laughs> no, but, but you know, if you do, if you, if you could, you could be smart about it and do it right. So, so yeah. So, so he did that. And did he, and, did, now, did he ask you to do it, or you're like, I need to do this with you? No, I think actually Nico backed out, and no, no, no. Uh, so I actually, so I just hit him up, and I was like, hey, I was like, I was like, you're doing this. I was like, I was like. I don't know how many I could do with you. I was like, but like, this will add to my story. And and this will be a story that I could tell my customers. I'd love to be a part of this journey with you. You know, am I doing Everest? No shot. You know, that's, that's not, you know, that's, I'm cool with not having that chapter in my life. Um, but Kilimanjaro, we were supposed to do Elbrus in Russia um, in August. You know, that's probably not happening unless we figure this out. I don't know if I get a refund on that or what. 
And Dev, do I get a refund for that, Dev? <laughs> uh, and so, and so he was. So you kind of wanted to do this, uh, the summit with him. Do you have any experience in mountaineering? No, just hiking. But just hiking. hiking. But I, I think we're very similar. I mean, we're definitely. I'm definitely not a, a specimen like he is. But I think we've. Uh, you know, there's things that I I know that I, I'm someone that like it just puts my head. I'm like I tell him like I'm like a mule. Like I might not be as fast as you. I might not get to the top first. But I'll just truck along. Like, I will get there. And that's, like, with, like, Florida. Like, I didn't try to break any sound barrier of getting to New Jersey the fastest. I woke up every day. I put my shoes on. I had a routine. And I biked those 90 miles. And the next day, I did the same exact thing. The following day, did the same exact thing. So, you know, I don't think there's anything I can't do physically. You know, I told you, I, I'm signing up. I have, I'm signed up for two Ironman um, this summer. So, I have an Ironman in Atlantic City. And then four weeks later, I'm doing Chattanooga. Wow. So I'll be doing two of When's those. When's the one in AC? Uh, September, I think 10th. And then the one in Chattanooga is three weeks later. So I'll, so I will be a two-time Ironman by October. And when um, does training start for that? It's been starting now. So okay. I had a, I did my first long bike ride, did cardio today. I'll have to lose a little bit of weight. But like my goal, my goal is to get invited to Kona, which is the Hawaii. Like yeah. that's a goal of mine um, that I think I'll achieve. Uh, really, really will achieve. And what kind of training went into the Kilimanjaro? Honestly, just like we overtrained. I mean, Kilimanjaro, I mean, it was an amazing experience. Uh, I think the, the thing that we and Devin, which Devin learned and I learned, it wasn't even about the hardship of the hike itself. The hike is, there's definitely hard parts of it. Um, is it easy? It's not easy. Um, I was planning for a lot worse, but I think what I learned was like the patience involved with mountaineering. It's just such a slow and steady the opposite of the way that Devin and I, maybe you think, like being athletes at heart, like come first, come first, hit it hard, don't stop, 110%, like that's not a mountaineering's mindset. A mountaineering's mindset is, listen, we are going to make it to the top, so we need to reserve energy and not worry about what anybody else is doing, not worry about beating some time clock, like our goal is to summit, like that's it. So we wanna summit, but if it takes us eight hours or nine hours, like like our guide was like, listen, I'm gonna get you there, but you have to follow my lead. And I remember the first day we were hiking up and we were like, you know, we're, I mean, Devin's in fucking great shape. I'm in pretty good shape. We're just like, fucking walk. And he's like, take it easy. He says slow. And the altitude hits too, and that's another altitude thing, Altitude right? hits, but he's like, slow, slow. I'm like, fucking me. Like, I do these hikes every day. He's like, just slow, big guy. Like, we got time, you got the whole, we're gonna be there in a few hours. And that's what we learned. Like the, the the summit hike was one of the harder things I've ever done, not physically, but mentally, because you had to go. Everything was slowed down, and you really and and by slowing it down, like we talked about before, is finding peace and being alone, and finding that 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 calmness and solitude, and having all your thoughts. I mean, it's fucking crazy. I mean, like it's it's one of the cooler experiences, and and I think that's why I like even Ironman training, um, when you're alone in your thoughts and, and you have no music playing and you're just, you're just out there and you're in that flow state zone, the things that you can do and accomplish and think of is just wild. Like I created four business plans. Like I literally have mapped out the first five years of Almost Home from that hike. Yeah. And I'm just- Cause you're out there for hours. Just Dude, out, you're literally, it's you, you're not talking to anybody. You're alone hiking at a snail's pace and all you're thinking, like in your head, like you're thinking, like okay, 
like you're thinking about some things and then you know me having ADD it's like okay my girlfriend like you know is she okay is my mom okay is my girlfriend out like whatever there's other things going on but then you're like okay what do I want to accomplish okay almost home alright Robbie what's your mission statement okay what's your next what's your next plan what's your next goal where, where do you see the future okay come home and that's since I've gone home I've like truly like a lot of things have hit fruition that like I thought were gonna happen six months from now have already happened you know spot number two like I told you we have a coffee shop opening up May 9th. Uh, we're closing on a bakery. So I'll have seven spots in my first 18 months of opening my doors to the wow. restaurant. And then the goal after that is 15 spots in three years. So hopefully I can replicate what I've done. And then the goal after that is 30 in five years. And how do you, this is just like a question I'm curious about. So you, you get into a business like the restaurant food business. The thing that confuses me about that industry is like the the amount of things you need to buy up front, you have to... Like, yeah, it's leverage. Could, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's honestly, I mean, like I said, in the beginning, let's help start my travels. I have made great business decisions in, in my earlier years that have allowed me to not worry, to be financially stable where I'm at now. I mean, I live upstairs, pay $1,000 a month. You know, I'd love to still have the G-Wagon that I drove during the Devotion Vodka days and... The six thousand dollar penthouse apartment, just I'd love to have that. It's just not possible now. You know, there's other goals. Um, you know, is that? Am I kidding and lying to myself saying that time? Like, no, I'd I, like, I'd love to have a G wagon next year. Like, I, I my goal is to have another G wagon again. Like, that's my favorite car. But you're investing heavily back into the business. Yeah, you have to. I'm, I haven't taken a dollar from this place. Every dollar I've had, I've built up capital. You know, my my partner and I, we said from day one. Whatever money we put in day one, that's the only money we'll ever put in. And it's been true today. No matter what we've done, whether it's gone through hardships with the town or decorations or buying things or an espresso machine makes or opportunity comes our way, every dollar we have um, has been coming from the capital account that we've built from this business. And, you know, that's the goal. Like, we're opening up a bakery. Like, the bakery's going to be expensive. So we have to hustle. We have, to, we have to hope Seabright makes us money. This generates money. We have to get catering out there more, get more involved with private dinners. Like, I don't want to ever touch my bank account again to open up future businesses. I want it all driven from, from what we're doing. So leveraging one business to feed another business to feed another. So at that point, you know, I'm also a degenerate gambler at heart. Um, in that I don't gamble anymore on games, but I gamble on things that I think I can control. And for me, I'd rather put two chips back in the pot to get five chips then okay let's put five let's put all five in okay, let's get eight all right eight, let's go eight sixteen like rather than okay i got five let me pocket three two i can get one chip like no fuck that let's go five to ten so like keep doubling keep doubling keep doubling and you're betting on yourself bet on myself and, I, and and that's what i've always done and and, and it's listen it's fucking failed a hundred times you know i've had a million mistakes you know i'm on probation now you know, I definitely have had issues and problems and I'm the first to admit, but I, I think what we go back to what I was saying, like it all adds to the story. You know, the story isn't me being some fucking boy scout that has done this thing perfectly from day one. Like that's not the story. The story is, Hey, fucking was backpacking around Asia. Had an idea to open up a coffee shop, fucking biked up from Florida, had an idea to open a coffee shop, opened a coffee shop. And now this kid built 30 in five years and he's selling to somebody for $30 million because they want to grow a coffee portfolio group and whatever their investment fund is. That's the story. Mm. Um, and that's the end game. The end game is to build something special to the point where someone wants to buy the story. 
and maybe I sell it. Yeah, and I'll make it a corny analogy, but like going back to the Kilimanjaro, like everyone says when you actually summit, it's not as cool as like, you're like, okay, now what? And you go back down. Yeah. It's about the, it's about the journey. Yeah. Summiting, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking hysterical. Like summiting like is one of the funniest things ever. You literally, we spent four days. We did in four days, yeah. Four days, the, that morning, nine hours of grueling pain, which Devin has done Akangwa from that since then, so that was even harder. And you spend six minutes on the summit, if that. Like, I'm talking about, like, maybe four. I, I think I took three videos and got the fuck off. I was like, fuck this shit, it's cold. So you spend all this time going there thinking, like, yeah, the view is insane. I mean self-accomplishment and you have like for me I had all these crazy emotions and I remember I, I did a video for my girlfriend and I was crying and I was like I'm not even upset but like you you know you you do feel like accomplished and you have a weird sense of, of self-pride or whatever it is but you spend three minutes you're like okay sit the fuck down and go to a hotel yeah <laughs> and that's like what you're doing now though you're building this this brand up and this is the best part it and is. when you hit that goal of, let's say, selling to a portfolio company, then, then it's, it's like... what's next. Yeah, it's what's next. Okay, exactly. okay. All right, dude, we did this. Now let's do a sandwich shop. Or let's do a pizza concept. Or let's do a cool, like... Dude, I'm all... Like, I think Dev and I get along so well because if I could get stripped of everything I have, it would almost be a game to me. Like, okay, game's on. Let's fucking do this. Okay, let's... Re let's how quickly can I rebuild where I'm at today? Again. Because I could. Easily. Like, I, it's, it's like funny. Like, I'm not like, I'm not the richest person in the world. And there's people that have a lot more money than me. My friends have a lot more money than me. But I think that if you put me versus them and took away our bank accounts, I could get me higher than them in a shorter amount of time. Because you're, like, you're the mule. I'm the mule. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I'm fucking, there's, I'm not stopping. Gotcha. Um, so that's cool. And what, so you, you mentioned a lot like about like friends and stuff. So one of the things I was going to ask you is like, following you from afar you seem like you have a pretty large network or if you want to call it a community like what goes into building a community or a people of like-minded individuals dude it's it's exactly that you find like-minded people yeah. um, how do you find them do you uh, like it's crazy like you it, it's like a, a, a an aura or a power surge of people that like if you put that energy out in the world they come back to you um, and it, and there are different people um I have one group of friends that are very, very successful, but like they're the kids that like will wear t-shirts and four dollar shoes and bracelets and we'll hammer beers together. And I I go by a motto. If I could do three things with you, I'm I'm gonna be if I could have a beer with you, sit in a room alone and talk to you and work out with you. If we could do those three things together, most likely we'll get along. And most likely we'll do business together. If any of those three things don't work, then you're kinda on the fence with me. You know, to with withhold. Like, there's some people that are sober or whatever, but I want to see you when you're drunk. I want to see how I want to see if you have a workout routine, and I want to see if you can talk to me when no one else is around. Like, can we have a one-on-one -on -one conversation where we're both not itching to leave the room? If we could do that, then we'll be friends. And 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 that's like my friend group. Like my friend group right now, everybody that I hang out with, I'll get hammered drunk with. For the most part, will work out with me. And for the most part, it could be me and him in a room and we would bullshit about something, whether it's girls or cars or this or that or supplements or coffee. Like that's like where I'm at in my life. Um, and I think like that's what's helped me grow is find those people that kind of cross and, you know, I can cross and check the boxes on that because those are the people I, I see myself relating with. Like 
you know, you can see the most, the best fitness people in the world. They're not having a beer with me after a workout. Like, what are they, I don't know. Like, I, I just, it's, it's the way my mind works. Like, it's just like, that's how I am. Like, you know, you see how some of these people from afar that are maybe the biggest influencers in the world and, and they have no personality. Mm. You can't talk to them. I don't want to hang out with them. So. And it's also you too. Like, I think you put it out there. Like, you're, like I said, I, I think I found you because you were, you posted about the, the bike rides. So I thought that was cool. I followed you. So you're putting it out there of the things you're interested in and like. So other people may find that and, and relate to that. Yeah. And, and, and dude, and, and, and if you don't, you don't. Like, I tell everybody, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And, and it's so funny because, like, we go through, like, wars here. Like, whether it's, like, with, like, fellow bakers or local restaurants that copy us or this or that. Like, there's something I tell everybody. Like, I am not trying to reinvent the wheel. This is not the first coffee shop in, in, on a corner in Lincroft. This is not the first coffee shop that sells good food. You know, I think what we have is a little different because I think that we really focus on the small stuff that makes us cool. The small stuff like having a smile, the small stuff of, of, of explaining our story, the small stuff of, of, of truly letting people know like, hey, listen, we care about everything we do. But everything that's made us special is, has inspiration for me. Like our cereal latte is one of our most famous things. The cereal latte that we create, I found because I was biking up from Florida, there was a cool hole in the wall a mobile coffee shop called, oh my God. It's going to kill me. It's all good. Um, I've heard the name of it, but they did fruity pebble lattes and I was exhausted and I needed sugar. And I was like, I'll take three of those. And I drank it and it got me like the, the sugar in my body. And I remember I, I was talking to one of my good friends who stole one of my good friends who was helping me make mood boards. So I was like, go add, or, uh, uh, vision boards. I was like, add cereal, just add cereal and milk, or, or add a picture of cereal lattes to the, to this vision board. I want to do it for my coffee shop in here. So first day, okay, whatever I've got going in the first week, I was like, we got to do cereal latte of the week. I went to this awesome place, and I gave credit on, on Instagram to whoever the place is. Um, so listen, so like, I'll never reinvent the wheel. Um, and where I'm going with that is that you know people definitely will not like me, and I'm cool with that. I'm 33. I've had I have enough friends. I I really don't care if you want to be my friend or not. I'm not gonna lose sleep if you don't want to be my friend. If you don't like me, it's I I ain't changing either. Yeah. Um, but you know that's what I think has gotten us to where it's 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 being humble, and and just knowing that not everyone's gonna like you, and yeah. it's cool. The last few things before we wrap up. I think like one of the big themes you talked about too was fitness, which you really didn't like dive too deep, in, too deep into. Like we talked about the challenges and stuff like that, but yeah. it seems like fitness plays like a key role in your life, regardless of where you're at, what you're doing, what job you're doing. So like, where did that come from, and, and why is that important? Yeah, to you? I mean that goes back to devotion. So devotion days, I wasn't healthy. Uh, I was like 270. I was fat. Um, ate McDonald's four days a week. Drank every night. Like, and, I, and I'm not lying. Like I was out every night. It was a part of the industry. Like. You know, every night in New York City, there's a different bar that has a different night, whether it's Marquee Wednesdays or it was Oak Sundays or Bounce Sundays or Wicked Wolf or this or Ainsworth on Tuesdays for Nick Games. Every day, I had to show my face somewhere else. So every day, because I didn't want to lose that business, I didn't want them to be like, oh, where's Devotion Vodka today? Okay, we're going to replace this with Sveka today. I, so I was out making sure people liked me. Um, and I got really unhealthy. And I had kind of had like a, a, a scary point in my life. I was in Vegas once and I like, I had like a chest pain. It wasn't a heart attack or anything, but like I thought I was, it was a panic attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. And then that was like, that's what really was like my epiphany of like, okay, I need to like, like God's telling me like, okay, you've done your work. Like, let's get out of it. And then I ended up 
you know, uh, resigning from my job like a month later. Was that because you had something else going or you just said, I need to get out of this industry? I think I, I just, I just knew that it was dark. Your time I, was up. Yeah. I just knew like, 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 dude, you're 260. You're eating Big Macs like they're like carrots. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I was, I was dipping Big Macs in flurries and hammered drunk, eating it and passing out and sleeping till noon the next day and doing it over again. It wasn't a good lifestyle. Um, and then, yeah, I just got into a routine and, and honestly, I, I, I truly probably what you do. I really started following the right people, you know, Michael Cherneau who owns meatball shop and creatures of habit. I've listened to all of his podcasts. I listened to all of his routine hacks. I listened to a lot of him. You listen to Gary V, you know, I became friends with Brian Mazza who, who, you know, who came from the depths of nightlife to moved to sobriety, moved to fitness, moved to health, followed him. You know, Devin, someone we both grew up in the nightlife industry. You know, Devin, Devin used to help me promote my vodka. You know, he was a, a manager and promoter and he did all that before he was fitness. And then so I got friends with people that began working out and I got friends with people that, okay, listen, I want to hang out with you, but I see what you guys look like. I don't look like that. I got to at least look like that to fit in with that group. So that was kind of like my mindset, like, if I'm gonna hang out with these kids, I gotta look the part. So I began running more and biking more and working out and just doing, and I always had the mindset of a competitor. That's why I was so good at sales of vodka. But it was more of like, okay, let's get the alcohol out of the way. Let's get the clean eating. Let's find something that works with you and just get to a routine and get to, you know, what habits can I break and what habits can I create that really set me up for, in the beginning of my day to, to really go and, 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 and be 1% better. And what's the best way to like, either one break a bad habit and then on the other hand, how do you create a new habit? Yeah, I don't know, it's easy. Like I started doing this new habit now and it's worked fucking tremendously. I started, uh, Michael Cherneau, he told him and a few other people do it. I wake up every morning and I smile for 15 seconds. Like over. Force yourself. Force myself. Like it's, it's creepy because like my girlfriend, she'll wake up and she'll see me like in my bed like this. Like just smiling and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's what I do. But it, and, it, and it's supposed to be that like it like it helps you just like get your day right. And I, I swear to God, I've been doing it every day for like probably two months. Nah, not even, probably two months now, maybe six weeks. And I haven't had a bad day in like six weeks. Like there's been, listen, I've put out fires. Not every day is good. Like I'm in the restaurant industry 24-7. Like trust me, I'm like Dr. Phil in this fucking place with who I deal with and how I manage my employees' personalities and everything. But by doing that every morning, that's added like so much more value to my life. It's crazy. Small changes. Small changes make monumental impact. Um, and just, you know, and then you tweak it, you know? For me right now, I'm in a huge health binge. So like I'm fasting, I'm very strict on that. Uh, I'm not eating carbs, so I'm on a carnivore diet. Uh, so only meat, no uh, vegetables, no fruits. Um, I'll do that for a little bit longer. I, I, I read for an hour a day, no matter what. I go to the banya every day, so sauna, cold plunge every day besides Tuesday because they're closed. Um, I work out every day. So that's like my non-negotiables. You know, smile in the morning, hour of reading. What, it doesn't matter what kind of book it is. It could be self-help book, it could be fiction, it could be history. I'm reading like a front of the house book now, um, which is an amazing book. Um, and then cold punch sauna, and, and, and that's like kinda, and then the last thing is I play video games for like an hour. 
I know it's like not healthy, but like that's your me time. That's my like yeah. Like I all I do for the most part every day is talk to people. For most of it, and like my girlfriend knows, like she, it, it was hard for her to like understand why I would come home and play Counter Strike for an hour. Cause she was like, you talk to these, but you want to, I'm like, babe, like I don't ask for much. Like I just need this me time. Like it could just be like one game, but like, I just want to jump on. It helps me clear my mind. Like it gets me away. Like I feel like I'm somewhere else and it's become like a, a, a habitual thing that I do every day. Like it could be 30 minutes, no more than an hour, but like I need an hour of gaming. I don't, I don't know if it works. I love that. I think everyone has their own thing they do that helps them de-stress on yeah. their time. Yeah. I think that's important. But, um, We'll start to wrap up here. Any any last things you really want to plug or not? Not really plug, but I mean, like, yeah. I mean, almost home general. I mean, uh, you know, your podcast is called growth. I mean, it, it really is like, and and I guess like the thing I don't know the age group of, of the people that listen to this podcast, but like, you're never, it's never too late. Like, I'm 33, and I thought for so many years I would be married and have kids by this age and have a house and this and that, and and I'm just beginning. And I think that's what's cool about our generation is now 33 is 23. Now what you think you're building can be started at any age. And there's plenty of time to achieve and to accomplish anything you want. Um, and I truly think, you know, I'm, I'm not successful yet. I think I'm on the road to success. Almost Home isn't a brand yet, but it's getting very close. Um, and I think that like just having that belief and, 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 and I mean, how many times did you reach out to me? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Like I apologize. Like, it just, but like, it's not. It's nothing against you. Like, it, it just for me, it's it's. I'm the same way. Like, there's people. Like, I reached out to Brian Mazza a hundred fucking times, and now me and him are best friends. I'm sure me and you have a relationship with this. Like, it nothing was built in a day. Relationships aren't made in an hour. They're not. You know, it's very lucky to get somebody the first time you meet them for for them to love you for life. But all it takes is persistency. And, you know, it could take you 20 times to reach out to somebody, but that one time you meet them, okay, we vibe. Now we'll get dinner or drinks once every six months or once every three months or once every month. So it, that's what I think. I think people sometimes get so discouraged with failure and they get so turned off by maybe getting like their back turned on them that they just give up on, on the goal or give up on, on, on whatever they're trying to accomplish. And like we just said, this whole podcast, it's all about the story. Like the story is like, oh, I hit up this kid for six months to get on a podcast. We finally met and now we're fucking friends and I had dinner at his place or whatever. Like that's a part of the story. So it makes the story even cooler. It wouldn't be cool if you hit me up the first time and I was like, oh, dude, come in. Then there's no, there's no growth in that. So the true growth comes from the story, comes from the struggle, comes from, you know, having some failure and, and persevering through it and getting to the end result of, of what you want to do. You want to do a podcast. You want to do this. You want to do that. Like nothing's easy. And I think that's why we follow a lot of the same people and everybody will tell you that I'm not the fucking first person to write this book or trust me, I've read plenty of books that all say the same thing. But when you really live through it, when you really, really live through it, when you come out, you smile because you're like, okay, that's what, that's what everyone's talking about. That's that struggle that everyone mentioned in that book that I read. Or that's that like hardship that I saw that like this person went through something similar. And like when you go through hardship, it just makes this success is so much more fun. Perfect way to end it. Dude, Brother, thank pleasure. you. Thank you so much, man. That's the episode. If you guys enjoyed it, the only thing I ask is that you can leave me a small review on either Apple or Spotify, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. It would mean a lot to me. Feel free to share it with friends, 
family, coworkers, anybody. All right. Thanks, guys.